1: You are listening to the Therapy Podcast with your host Schloimi Balsam. Hello and welcome to the Therapy Podcast. I think I'm going to start listening to the show just to hear the background music in the bath in the background. It's very soothing. Today we're talking about psychoanalytical therapy, the theory. The idea of psychoanalytical therapy was conceived by Sigmund Freud born in 1856 he had a very authoritative father he was uh, well, he had two brothers and five sisters they lived in a little cramped apartment and were very short on funds but his parents valued education very much and made sure that he get the best degree possible he had uh, Freud Sigmund growing up had many interests but they were very restricted due to his Jewish heritage. He finally settled on medicine, four years after he got his medical degree degree in the University of Vienna when he was 26. He attained a prestigious position there at the University of Vienna as a lecturer. He devoted most of his life to developing his theory of psychoanalysis. His theories very much mirror his own feelings on the subject. Um, I was just discussing this with one of my uh, one of the guys in my class. It seems that most theories mirror the the designer of it very much. and you could see that um, Freud had a really tough life and he was very depressed and you can very much see that in his work. Ned Larian therapy, he had a tough time as a kid, and his theory is based on building up self-esteem and uh, being inspired by your shortcomings. You know, if you have asthma, then maybe you'll be the guy that holds his breath the longest world record. Uh, and you'll see this time and time again. But uh, Friedman, uh Sigmund, Friedman. Sigmund Freud was a very... Depressed person in his life. He was always scared of the number 61 and 62. He thought he was going to die at that age. Turns out he lived uh, till something like 83. He died in London in 1939 from cancer of the jaw. He had 33 operations and was, he was in constant pain throughout the whole ordeal. He wrote proliferously, he filled 24 volumes. Something like that. He put in 18-hour workdays. Workaholic to the extreme. It's a lot of what Freud introduced has been debunked or discredited today uh, based on what we've, you know, we've just been being skeptical of his work over the years. That wouldn't discredit him. Him and his work as a psychologist, it's very easy to say that if he was alive today that he would agree with us with the arguments that we're making on his work. Uh, Some of the ideas that he introduced were the id, the ego, the superego. Let's just talk about that for a second. The id is the base primary source of psychic energy. That's where all the instincts lie. This is all in, uh, in Freudian theory. Um, it is ruled by the pleasure principle, and it is going to chase after every pleasure that it can possibly do, no matter you know how illogical, immoral. It's just driven to satisfy its instinctual needs. The ego is sort of an in-between, the id and the superego. You see, the superego... That's the judicial branch of the personality. That's the, you know, the personal, that's the moral code that it's the good. It's the part of you that that says that we shouldn't chase that pleasure despite its gratification. And the ego is somewhere in between. It's like the traffic cop that, uh... It mediates the instincts and the surrounding environment. It's ruled by the reality principle. That's what Freud called it. The ego does the realistic and logical thinking. It formulates plans of actions for satisfying needs. Yes, the id has these certain needs, and the superego is getting in the way. Or you could look at it the other way. The superego has its morals, and the id is chasing immoral. Or... Uh, just pleasure-driven ideas. The ego is the part of us, the part of the brain that creates the realistic, logical, logical thinking. It's the seat of intelligence, and that controls those blind impulses of the id. Right? You know, the id only knows subjective reality, and the ego can distinguish the mental images and the things in the external world. Psychoanalysis introduces the idea of anxiety. It's that feeling of dread that results from repressed feelings, memories, and desires. Um, But repression is only one of the ego defense mechanisms that Ford introduced. He... uh, Repression is Freud uh, uh, introduced the idea of uh, dream interpretation, where a person will say something and or dream of something, and there's a deeper meaning behind it, meaning that in our consciousness, we can actually be presenting and introducing ideas and thoughts from our subconscious, you know without ourselves even noticing that's the advantage of a dream is that it's not an active. A display. You don't choose what you're dreaming. So whatever shows up in there must be coming from somewhere. And Freud preached that those dreams were coming from somewhere external, somewhere in the subconscious, somewhere deeper, and being brought to the external to the forefront through the dream. Um, that actually got him in trouble with uh, with his his dear friend Carl Jung. Um, when Jung started saying things about um, Freud, was mis- mis- he was interpreting things that Jung was saying that uh, as meaning that Jung want- wanted to kill Freud's father, uh, and that that could be one of the things that broke up their friendship. That was a very fascinating relationship. We'll see if we can get into that in a little bit. Uh, let's go through some of the ego defense mechanisms that that uh, Freud introduced, and. While Fordian theory is not entirely accepted, to say the least, the ideas and principles that he introduced to the psych- psych- psychological community are fundamental. He introduced, introduced the idea of repression. That's when we take the thoughts that are harmful to our ego, to our, uh, right, to, to that. The, those thoughts that will hurt us, the painful thoughts that are, that, you know, that are threatening us. And it puts those thoughts, it stuffs it into the subconscious, away from our conscious in order to, uh, as a defense mechanism, there's denial. That's probably this, the most simple of all the self-defense mechanism. That's, it's a way of distorting what the way the individual thinks, feels, and perceives in a traumatic situation. If something really, really traumatic happens, it's a, it's a way of closing, closing your eyes to the existence of some threatening aspect of reality. Um, one of my friends just wrote recently that uh, if you are the one that is doing something terrible... Right. Normally we think of denial as that never happened, but it could also be as I never did that. I, you could have a person on a court case that defendant can actually 100 percent believe that he never murdered someone, even if there's you know pages of evidence. And he 100 percent did. But he can actually convince himself in his mind his ego as a defense mechanism can teach him that he never did it. There's a reaction formation. This is when uh, our, our brain actively ex- is, ex- is actively expressing the opposite impulse when confronted with the threatening impulse. That would be uh, by developing conscious attitudes and behaviors that are. Diametrically opposed to disturbing desires, people do not have to face the anxiety that would result if they were to recognize these dimensions of themselves. So individuals may conceal hate with a facet of love, be extremely nice when they're harboring negative reactions, or mask cruelty with excessive kindness. The reaction formation is one of the most fascinating ones. Someone will be incredibly. Angry at someone would be showing this crazy love, and we have to ask myself like, like why? Why is he showing that affection? And it could be out of anger. Uh, very, very often you'll see this in, in intense relationships. If someone really loves someone, they they, they will they will lash out at them uh, out of love. So psychoanalytical therapy tends to be on the heebie-jeebie. Oh my gosh, how did you know that sort of a side of things? It's like, oh no, you're not actually angry? You, but, but you're acting, you're acting so angry. It's like, no, it's, it's, it's because I'm scared of that love. Okay. Projection. Uh, This is attributing to others one's own inaccessible desires and impulses. That is, uh, if I am. Uh, very greedy I will see the greediness in other people and so on and so forth you know this way I can tell myself like oh yeah all those greedy people but me myself no I'm I'm, I'm fine um, those people are the haters but me no I'm I love everything and everyone okay uh, there's um, that's projection displacement is directing energy towards other objects or person. When the original object or person is inaccessible, if someone was yelled at by the boss. But if he lashes out at the boss, then the boss will fire him. So, he decides to lash out on someone which is less threatening to him. So, um, or if, uh, yeah, that, that's one example. Either, either it's more accessible, less dangerous... Or if the original thing is gone, if he gets it by a truck, so now he has you know, hatred against every truck and he'll lash out and it'll kick the tires of every truck he sees. Right? Because the original truck is gone, so now he hates, t- he hates trucks. Fine. Um, right, this, this would be, you know, a guy comes home from work and he might take it out on his wife and kids because his boss isn't a good option. Rationalization. This is manufacturing good reasons to explain away a bruised ego. Rationalization is such a well-known concept that I need not explain it. It's when uh, people don't get, you know, uh, if a guy doesn't get a position that he wanted at work, so they'll come up with, you know, a thousand reasons why it didn't work. And, and sometimes they'll, attempt to, they'll try to convince themselves that, you know, I didn't even want that anyways. Uh, okay, you know what a rationalization is. Yeah, I didn't even want it. It's, it's dumb, stupid. Who wants that? Okay, you know. Okay, Subli- sublim- sublimation. Sublimation is uh, diverting uh, aggressive energies into other channels. So uh, you try. A very often, someone will have like a very negative energy, and they can channel that into a healthy outlet. Someone who is um, has you know is aggressive impulses, and he likes you know he, he really wants to. to, to, to punch people. I don't know. Some people are born just with more aggressive, uh, not necessarily born, but they could be nature or nurture. We've discussed that, but they might let that out in kickboxing. It's a a way of them expressing that that energy. Regression is uh, going back to an earlier phase of development when there are fewer demands. That's uh, when there's some severe stress or an extreme challenge. People may attempt to cope with that anxiety by hanging on to immature, inappropriate behaviors. So like a kid who is frightened at school, he may start crying, be incredibly dependent, thumb sucking, hiding, clinging on to the teacher. He will regress to a younger stage. Before I had these responsibilities as as I approached this more mature stage of my life, I will regress to a more immature state so that I don't need these responsibilities, so I don't have to deal with this stress. That's that defense mechanism of regression. Introjection is taking in and swallowing the values and standards of others. There are positive forms of introduction, for example, uh, incorporation of parental values or the attributes and values of the therapist. But a negative example is um, in the concentration camps. During the Holocaust, some of the prisoners dealt with overwhelming anxiety by accepting the values of the enemy, by identifying with the aggressor. Introjection is imbibing other people's values and standards as a coping mechanism. This could be Stockholm. This could be uh, Stockholm syndrome when uh, someone is captured and takes on and becomes. Like friends becomes like one of the captors. identification is identifying with successful causes, organization or people in the hope that you will be perceived as worthwhile. A guy has something that is attacking his ego and ego in the social sense of you know my my pride my self esteem so if I don't feel worthy of something, I will cloud it over i will I will dive into a fog of something else which is um, bright and glistening and distracting so that I can flaunt that instead of my inferiority. Compensation is masking perceived weaknesses or developing certain positive traits to make up for limitations. Uh, This can be this could have a direct adjustive value and it could also be an attempt by the person to say, don't see me, don't see the ways in which I'm inferior, see me in my accomplishments. So if a guy feels inferior in something in his life, he may decide to beat the Guinness Book of World Records at um, picture frames held in his house because now he'll become the picture frame guy and no one's going to pay attention to his asthma or whatever that is. Okay, that's a number of fundamental ideas and, uh, ego defense mechanisms that have, that came out in, uh, analytical psychology and psychology in general, it would not be the same without this. When it comes to practical client counselor counseling in analytical, psychoanalytical, uh, psychology therapy, uh, the role of the, of the, of the, uh, the, the goals or to make the unconscious conscious. You want to bring out the deeper behind the scenes to the forefront to bring more understanding and meaning to the symptoms. We're also trying to strengthen the ego and uh, being able to put that in charge instead of the aspects of the id which are taking over. By exploring, by exploring, revisiting, and re-experiencing the events from 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 childhood that have been repressed, either through um, dream interpretation or other means like that, the client's able to process the material from the standpoint of an adult. Now looking back, revisit those feelings that are controlling you in your subconscious, and reframe them. That's uh, also one of the goals of EMDR is to be able to take those past experiences and jarble them up and re to the extent that you're able to rethink them and add your adult feelings to it the goal of the client in psychoanalytical therapy is the memories and feelings of childhood have to be re-examined and re-experienced just insight is not enough they have to actually feel them they have to relive Go back and to that to that defining experience and re-experience it. Clients have to integrate old feelings, conflicts, and memories into their current ego in order to function better. They have to learn to tolerate and adapt to adapt to the new material. The client is able to gain an understanding of how their past is influencing their parent, their their present. The counselor is supposed to be a blank screen. On which the client projects his subconscious, and now he could just look at this subconscious that he's that's displayed in front of him, and he could relish in that. The co- the counselor can also make interpretations of how the past influences the present. Maybe this is a cause of what's happening now. Freud had uh, stages of life. He, uh, he His stages were from the first year of life. It's an oral stage. 1 to 3 is an anal stage. 3 to 6 is a phallic stage. 6 to 12 is a latency stage. 12 to 18 are the general is the general stage. And it continues for the rest of his life. Erickson came along and uh, redefined it, uh, gave his own methods. We'll have to talk about that another time, his own uh, layers of the stage. But the idea that Freud put forward, which is highly... Uh, critiqued nowadays is that every step is just another way of the child and then the adult to chase his uh, physical needs uh, and chase the the pleasure sensation. One of the most fascinating relationships in psychological history was between Carl Gustav Jung, J.U. and G and Sigmund Freud. The first time they met, they spoke for like 13 hours. Something like that. It was incredible. And they they were really close and they agreed on so much. And they spent years corresponding. And then at some point Uh, Again, Freud thought that he wanted to kill his father, but there were a few things that they didn't agree on. Uh, Carl did not agree to Freud's obsession with the base pleasure-seeking aspect of the human psyche. And he did believe in a broader picture of, of spiritual ideas and the family, family constellation. There were a few things that they disagreed on, which—and also Freud thought that he wanted to kill his father. So between all of that, they ended up parting ways. was um, a fascinating friendship as, as, as long as it lasted. And we have, like, all of the letters that they wrote back and forth. Anyway, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to email me at askmetherapy at gmail.com. It is, again, it has been a pleasure, and I'll see you soon. Bye!